millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. again and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and this is probably going to be one of the last podcasts of the year unless we can squeeze another couple in. Um, I'm really interested uh, in looking at the the Soviet camps, uh, the gulags, of of which there's much much less literature around than um, the examination of the the German camp system. For example, as you probably know if you listen to this podcast, We've looked uh, an awful lot at Nicholas Fashman's uh, amazing book, KL, about the German camps. And, of course, there are innumerable books written um, about the Nazi Holocaust. Um, The the Soviet camps are much, much harder to penetrate, in in a way. In large part because uh, the the Nazi camps were um, uh, exposed to the world when the Second World War ended, um, the end of the Soviet Union didn't really facilitate a similar process. Instead, the uh, various successor regimes to um, the, the Soviet Union, the, uh, the Ru- Russian Federation and the, the various post-Soviet republics, have not opened their doors uh, to show the world uh, what the Soviet camps look like. Uh, I believe there is one museum... Um, to the gulags uh, in Russia, uh, but it too comes under intense pressure from the government of Vladimir Putin um, to tell a particularly sanitised story. Um, so I'm going back to looking at Anne Applebaum's book, um, Gulag. Um, Anne Applebaum herself uh, has her own politics. She's quite a, a, a overtly a kind of a conservative writer, but one with no end of uh, of integrity, um, no matter the, the partisan position she takes, um, and her her work is is pretty well researched. I mean, she goes in her, in this um, in, in Gulag to 
debunk some of the uh, the, the, the the stories um, of uh, escape and survival from the Gulag, uh, suggesting that they are they are fictionalized. But in, anyways, it's a great book to to dive into, and probably something we'll we'll focus on a, a lot more of, um, as as a couple of the the books I've been working through in the last few years are are now kind of coming to an end. Um, so in the first section of Gulag, Anne Applebaum uh, talks about the origins of the Gulag system um, and where initially the, the initial sort of um, philosophy of the Gulags uh, under, under Lenin um, emerged from. Um, she writes, In the first months following the February Revolution, Lenin was very far from holding a position of unchallenged authority, even within his own party. As late as mid-October 1917, a handful of leading Bolsheviks continued to oppose his plan to carry out a coup d'etat against the provisional government, arguing that the party was unprepared to take power, and that it did not yet have popular support. He won the argument, however, and on the 25th of October the coup took place. Under the influence of Lenin's agitation, a mob sacked the Winter Palace. The Bolsheviks arrested the ministers of the provisional government. Within hours, Lenin had become the leader of the country he, remained, he, he renamed Soviet Russia. Yet, although Lenin had succeeded in taking power, his Bolshevik critics had not been entirely wrong. The Bolsheviks were indeed wildly unprepared. As a result, most of their early decisions, including the creation of the one-party state, were taken to suit the needs of the moment. Their popular support was indeed weak, and almost immediately they began to wage a bloody civil war, simply in order to stay in power. Well, I'm, I'm not sure I would say I would say quite that simply, but a, a, a key motivation of the civil war, as far as Lenin was concerned, was it gave him the opportunity to wage a class war at, at the same time. From 1918, when the White Army of the old regime regrouped to fight the new Red Army, led by Lenin's comrade Trotsky, uh, some of the most brutal fighting ever seen in Europe raged across the Russian countryside. Nor did all of the violence take place in battlefields. The Bolsheviks went out of their way to quash intellectual and political opposition in any form it took, attacking not only the representatives of the old regime, but also other socialists, Mensheviks, anarchists, social revolutionaries. The new Soviet state would not know relative peace until 1921. So, it's at this moment, during the Civil War, that the first rudimentary camps um, emerge. Um, they were created on the fly, ad hoc, in a hurry, um, and as um, a part of the emergency decrees um, that were, Lenin um, believed were necessary to win the war, um, there were, and at first glance, look like simply dumping grounds for troublesome individuals, individuals that the state didn't like, socially and politically. Um, however, Lenin had, to, to the you know, these were not new ideas for Lenin, however. Um, he had considered camps uh, long before, and only recently, before the um, October Revolution, in fact. Um, 
where he found himself uh, drawing up uh, plans for obligatory work duty for wealthy capitalists to essentially uh, remove them or remove the wealthy of their their liberty and force them to do uh, manual work. And Applebaum writes, by January 1918, angered by the depth of the anti-Bolshevik resistance, he was even more vehement, writing that he welcomed the arrest of millionaire saboteurs travelling in first and second class train compartments. I suggest sentencing them to half a year's forced labour in a mine. Lenin's vision of labour camps as a special form of punishment for a particular sort of bourgeois enemy sat well with his other beliefs about crime and criminals. On the one hand, the first Soviet leader felt ambivalent about the jailing and punishment of traditional criminals, thieves, pickpockets, murderers, whom he perceived as potential allies. In his view, in Lenin's view, the basic cause of social excess, meaning crime, was the exploitation of the masses. Uh, of course, for most of um, Lenin's uh, time in office, before his death, uh, and of course during the, the Stalinist era, this was not the view taken of petty criminals whatsoever. There, there was a hope uh, when you get to things like the digging of the White Sea Canal, uh, which is used by um, essentially slave and convict labour. There was some hope and belief that hard manual labour would take uh, petty criminals and transform them into uh, proletarians. But there was very little sympathy, despite what Anne Applebaum is saying here, very little sympathy in the eyes of anyone uh, from the Bolsheviks um, towards uh, petty thieves and pickpockets. What Lenin did see, however, was the the creation of a a new conception of enemy, social enemies. Uh, And Lenin uh, and the Bolsheviks knew that uh, class enemies... Uh, would have to be relentlessly pursued. The idea um, that Lenin uh, believed in was that there would be that, that capitalism was a kind of like a spontaneous phenomenon, much like the sprouting of weeds. You essentially have to keep ripping them up, uh, ripping capitalism up by its roots until it stops occurring, until it's been sort of expunged from from society. You might install yourself as a, a revolutionary socialist government, but that doesn't mean that you won't get um, generations of people embracing capitalist ideas if you allow it. Uh, and so um, class warfare was an integral part of Lenin's revolution. You can't have a revolution and simply allow a, a, a political revolution at the top and simply allow society to remain unchanged because society will sweep you away uh, and a capitalist society will find uh, capitalist political uh, political parties uh, in order to um, uh, un- undo uh, a government which it views as, as alien. Um, and Applebaum writes, a class enemy opposed the revolution and worked openly or more often secretly to destroy it. The class enemy was harder to identify than an ordinary criminal, and much harder to reform. Unlike an ordinary criminal, a class enemy could never be trusted to cooperate with the Soviet regime, and required harsher punishment than would an ordinary murderer or thief. Thus, in May 1918, the first Bolshevik decree on bribery declared that 
If the person guilty of taking or offering bribes belongs to the property classes and is using the bribe to preserve or acquire privileges uh, linked to property rights, then he should be sentenced to the harshest and most unpleasant forced labour and all of his property should be confiscated. So there, this idea that uh, the uh, of the unreformable nature of the class enemy um, is is really really pivotal, particularly when you look later on at Stalin's treatment of the kulaks and his belief about the kulaks, about the uh, the, the the wealthier peasants, that these were the most deadly enemy that, that Russia faced. Um, the Stalin is trapped in this kind of unfortunate, well, unfortunately for him, um, situation, whereby he's reliant on kulaks to produce surpluses. This is before the collectivization. Uh, and, but by producing surpluses, they become wealthy, and so they become the, the social strata, which is antithetical to, to the regime. Um, and so uh, he's, uh, he finds him, uh, himself in a kind of no-win situation. For him, the answer is collectivization, uh, which uh, simply destroys the Kulak class, sees those, their resources, um, and uh, extracts as much um, as, as much uh, food from the countryside as possible to feed the towns and cities. Following the October Revolution in 1917, the uh, initial uh, arrests of um, class enemies or the uh, decision as to who a class enemy was uh, was the product of total uh, anarchy. Um, the detachments of um, Red Guards, of revolutionary soldiers and, and workers uh, wandering around um, places like Petrograd and, and Moscow, dispensing revolutionary justice as, as they saw fit, um, was more to do with the breakdown of one state and the uh, inability of uh, a new one to firmly establish itself. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
itself uh, than than anything else. Uh, in 1918, obviously, the, the Cheka under Felix Dzerzhinsky uh, is established. But uh, before that happens, you simply have mob rule of people uh, arresting those they think are bourgeois uh, and um, uh, sometimes um, letting them go, sometimes giving them a beating, uh, sometimes committing acts of sexual violence, and sometimes just uh, do it, carrying out arbitrary executions. Um, or um, imprisoning people in um, uh, semi-abandoned police stations um, and, and that, that kind of thing. There's a great book called Former People by uh, Doug Smith and in it um, he writes about the, um, the fate of the Sheremetev family, one of the uh, wealthiest and most prestigious and noble families in Russia and the, their, their almost total annihilation by the end of the 1920s um, and the, uh, the, the, the sense that in uh, 1917 and 1918 uh, armed mobs who knew the family name would simply turn up at the house and uh, demand money or take away family members uh, because they could do um, and uh, the the persecution very quickly becomes more systematised and, and more kind of uh, tightly state-run. If you add into this the chaos of the Civil War, uh, where the, the line between combatant and civilian was very blurred, where war crimes were taking place on a regular basis, where both sides would take hostages and execute them, uh, if they felt that I could give them uh, leverage uh, over the uh, over the other side, and of course, in the midst of this, the establishment of the the Czech of the first uh, Bolshevik uh, secret police, um, the blurring, of course, between political and uh, criminal prisoners, uh, and the um, decision often that. Um, they could be dumped in, in the same place if, if, if that was necessary. Initially, the Bolsheviks just used old Tsarist prisons, uh, of which there were plenty, uh, large, dirty, gloomy stone buildings um, in most towns and cities. Um, and they, would be, they, they would began to overflow during the Civil War. Um, the, um, the Bolsheviks, that, when they took over the various ministries of, of justice uh, and ministries of the interior um, used the, the same kind of legal mechanisms uh, as the previous state had done um, in order to, to, to prosecute with the, the introduction of new kind of category, categories of crime. And as these prisons began to overflow, the Bolsheviks would find new places to put people, old abandoned churches, old palaces, old schools, gymnasiums, um, and they would uh, dump them there in the freezing cold with a uh, few facilities or anything to survive on, and those that weren't being sent regular food packages or bribing guards or doing something to help their loved ones, or those those loved ones would uh, would, would simply die. Um, often they would uh, starve or catch uh, typhus or uh, any of the communicable diseases that uh, were devastating to the population of a hungry uh, and exhausted 
civil war devastated country. Um, the uh, anarchy that reigned in the uh, system is quite neatly pointed out by Anne Applebaum uh, when she writes, but even uh, in the remaining traditional jails, prison regimes were erratic and prison wardens were inexperienced. A prisoner in the northern city of Viborg discovered that in a topsy-turvy post-revolutionary world, his former chauffeur had become a prison guard. The man was delighted to help his former master move to a better, drier cell and eventually to escape. One white army colonel also recalled that in a Petrograd prison in December 1917, prisoners came and left at will, while homeless people slept in the cells at night. Looking back on this era, one Soviet official remembered that the only people who didn't escape were those who were too lazy. The disarray forced the Cheka to come up with new solutions. The Bolsheviks could hardly allow their real enemies to enter the ordinary prison system. Chaotic jails and lazy guards might be suitable for pickpockets and juvenile delinquents, but for saboteurs, parasites, speculators, white army officers, priests, bourgeois capitalists and others who loom so large in the Bolshevik imagination, more creative solutions were needed. And it's Trotsky, uh, according to Applebaum, who comes up with the, the, the first idea for a concentration camp. Of course, concentration camps uh, had previously existed. They were famously pioneered by the British during the Boer War. Um, and uh, Trotsky um, believed that, uh, particularly the, the Czech Legion that were causing him all sorts of trouble along the Trans-Siberian Railway, uh, that uh, a, a large camp to place them in would be um, the thing to do. Um, he said that um, concentration camps would be um, uh, the best place um, in which the city and village bourgeoisie shall be mobilised and organised into rear service battalions to do menial work, cleaning barracks, camps, streets, um, digging trenches, etc. Those refusing will be fined and held under arrest until the fine is paid. So it was a, the, the, the it was initially about capturing uh, Russia's bourgeoisie and uh, press ganging them into forced wartime labour. Um, the extent to which the Bolsheviks thought, well, during a war, everybody is required to to work um, and. Everybody is required to um, uh, kind of contribute in in some way uh, physically towards the war effort, uh, and the ex- on one hand, and the extent to which they were um, believing that a kind of a, a ritual and public humiliation and terror uh, against the uh, the bourgeoisie was the kind of the motivation. I mean, it, it's hard to discern. I I veer towards the latter, um, uh, as Lenin was less interested in, incorp- in incorporating the bourgeoisie uh, into a new conception of Russian society where everybody is proletarian, and more interested really in destroying them as as a kind of a class, as as a kind of like a, uh, a social concept. Um, in a telegram in August uh, 1918, um, the, see, the commissars of Penza, where there had been an anti-Bolshevik uprising, Lenin called for mass terror against the Kulaks, uh, priests and white guards, and for those who were unreliable to be locked up in a concentration camp outside town. 
Um, so in, in this way of looking at things, um, the, the, the first kind of period of uh, the embryonic development of the camps is the Russian Civil War. Um, and it makes sense that uh, fighting a war uh, on that scale uh, within one's own borders without um, and the kind of infrastructure of, of mass incarceration would lead to the development of camps. Um, the Cheka um, would, of course, have been the ideal organisation to take over the, the task of incarcerating enemies in special camps, mainly because it wasn't required in any way to abide by any law. Um, it's titled the All-Russian Extraordinary Commission for Combating Counter-Revolution and Sabotage, uh, meant that it needed not consult with the regular police or courts or any commissar or, of justice. Its rule is entirely arbitrary. Um, the first task of the, um, uh, the checker is obviously the, uh, the Red Terror. Um, and the, um, uh, this was referred to by um, Dzerzhinsky as the, a revolutionary settling of accounts which is a huge um, uh, part of Lenin's uh, struggle for power. Um, the, the camps also were integral to the Red Terror um, and Applebaum rights. They were mentioned in the very first decree on Red Terror, which called not only for the arrest and incarceration of important representatives of the bourgeoisie, landowners, industrialists, merchants, counter-revolutionary priests, anti-Soviet officers, but also for their isolation in concentration camps. Um, Although there are no reliable figures for the numbers of prisoners, by the end of 1919 there were 21 registered camps in Russia. At the end of 1920 there were 107, five times as many. So that in itself is really interesting. That shows this exponential rate of growth in the camp system. Of course, by you know, 20 years later, um, on the eve of the Second World War, the camp population... Um, has grown uh, far beyond, and the far beyond that, and the the the, um, the camp size, the the kind of the, the entire um, network of gulags um, and this administration and the kind of the regions of camps uh, across Russia is um, uh, vast beyond beyond imagining in in, in many many ways. Now, what we will find as we, we move forward in our, our study of the camps, and I'm going to return to this quite a lot, I think, is that this disorganisation, this ad hoc measure um, in the civil for fighting the Civil War, uh, this product of the Red Terror, um, crystallises um, under Stalin into something far more systematised, uh, far more industrialised, far more uh, of a, a kind of having far more of a purpose um, when it comes to actually uh, creating uh, economic development in, in the Soviet Union and far more um, pivotal to uh, Stalin's overall kind of economic and political um, project uh, in the, the five-year plans and the collectivization and Stalinist terror. Anyway... 
so glad you've listened today. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, thanks to everyone that supported the podcast this year. Um, it's been a really, really, a real, real pleasure to create content for you every week. And I'll catch you probably now in 2021. Let's hope it's a good year for everybody. Take good care and uh, if you can support us in uh, 2021 on the Explaining History Patreon, check us out because uh, we do rely on the generosity of our patrons. Take good care, everybody. Have a good new year. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.